Welcome to Two Minutes and Beyond, the podcast where we review the Toy Story movies two minutes at a time. I'm Macy, and this is Bianca. Hello! Hello! In this episode, we're going to be talking about minutes 27 and 28 of Toy Story. Exciting. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. (laughs) In the last 15, 20 minutes since we recorded the last episode. (laughs) Yes. I'm full of coffee now, so I feel great. I've got, I'm drinking tea out of my Al's Toy Barn mug. I love that mug. It seemed appropriate. (laughs) All right, so these two minutes start off with Woody telling Buzz, of course, I'd love to see you as a creator, which is continuing his line from from last week's episode. (laughs) It cuts to Sid celebrating down below and Bo says the sooner we move the better which like Sid's poor neighbors (laughs) I feel bad for the new people that are going to move in they don't realize how loud he's going to be how destructive he is (laughs) exactly they're coming into this neighborhood and they're gonna have to deal with a with the kid who's blowing up his toys all the time. Oh, gosh. And the parents don't do anything about it. They're just like, yeah, he likes to blow stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> At six seconds, it fades to a next year shot of Andy's house with a sold sign in front of it. Which is a really pretty shot. Mm-hmm. I do like that shot. It's like... I don't know, like, for me, I really like the way they did the transition from the day to the evening, and just seeing, like, the outside of the house. I don't know why I always like seeing, like, the scenery instead of just, like, rooms. hmm I don't know. I really like that. Yeah, because you don't see it very much in the movie. You mostly see the inside. Where right. the toys are. And I think that's why I really like it because it's like, oh, look, it's outside. Yeah. I like that the the realtor is called virtual realty. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> really cute. I was like, oh, did they do this online or? <laughs> that's another joke for the adults. Yeah. <laughs> that the kids may or may not the get. The kids wouldn't get it because, oh, unless kids like i guess nowadays they might know what a virtual reality is but you know yeah maybe in the 90s not as likely probably not because for sure i didn't get that also if you look up closely at mom's van you can see the the a113 license plate oh yeah i like that they put that for the license plate i like Trying to find that everywhere in every movie. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, it's a reference to, was it a classroom at, at Cal Arts? Yeah, it was one of their, I want to say, I think they said that was like the Drawing 101 room or something, like where they started. That's why they chose A113 or something like that. Yeah, and it's been referenced in... I mean, I I assume anyone who's listening to a Toy Story podcast probably knows (laughs) what A113 is, but it's been referenced in a lot of animation 
because a lot of people have gone to CalArts. Mm-hmm. Also, I tried to look at, like, the... I tried to look inside the windows of the house in this scene mm-hmm. and this shot, and I couldn't really see anything. Right. Like, I don't think they put too much detail because it was such a short shot. They're not going to put that much detail into something that was just going to go by quickly. Yeah. The lighting in this whole scene, too, because it's like it takes place at sunset. The lighting in this whole scene is just like, it's like chef's kiss. It's beautiful. (laughs) I do really like, for it being their first movie, I feel like this scene, even though it's a few seconds long, it's really well done. And I feel like um, it's kind of, I don't know what what the word I'm looking for is. It's like a metaphor, maybe. Mm-hmm. for what's happening in the scene because it's like darker and Woody is basically being a villain in the scene <laughs> I know there's like premeditated murder hints going on <laughs> Woody is just premeditating the demise of Buzz <laughs> I mean I guess he's I mean he's just trying to get him stuck behind the desk but that's not that's still not great <laughs> It's yeah. It's still a malicious act towards Buzz. Yeah. Whenever I see this scene, now I think of, um, we used to have the Toy Story Viewmaster set Mm -hmm. with the little, like, not binoculars, but the little, like, viewing thing you would put. Right, yeah. You would look through and you could put in, like, the different, like a circle that had all these different slides on it. Right. And I remember just because I liked the look of this scene so much and the lighting and everything, I would just like stare. There was one <laughs> picture that was from this scene and I would just like stare at it because it was so pretty. <laughs> I can just imagine you just lying on your bed as a kid with that scene just <laughs> with the viewmaster on your face. <laughs> That's probably what I was doing, either on my bed <laughs> or or in the car or something. Mm-hmm. It's like on oh long God. trips, just that's staring great. at the that, that one, one shot. Scene. <laughs> Two hours later, you're like, man, that's a good picture. <laughs> <laughs> at 16 seconds inside the house, Mom opens the door to Andy's bedroom where he's playing with Woody and Buzz. Mom says, oh, all this packing makes me hungry. What do you say to dinner at a... Oh, Pizza Planet? Andy yells, Pizza Planet? Oh, cool. Throws Buzz on top of Wendy, of Woody <laughs> and runs out of the room. As soon as the door is closed, Woody pushes Buzz off of him and sulks while listening to Mom tell Andy that he can only bring one toy. Woody says, one toy? And looks over at Buzz, who is looking through a box on Andy's desk. Woody picks up a magic eight ball that happens to be sitting next to him. He asks if Andy will pick him, shakes the ball, and gets mad when the answer is, don't count on it. He yells, don't count on it, and throws the ball. So I notice that Mom's arms, when she comes in to tell Andy, ask Andy about going to Pizza Planet, her arms look like Barbie arms. They're just like, they look like pieces of plastic that bend in the middle. Oh, gosh. (laughs) 
mom's model is kind of not the best model. Because <laughs> if you see her... She's a strange shape. Just Yeah, exactly. Just standing in the doorway. She looks kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I never noticed it. I was just like, oh, that's Andy's mom. But now when I look at it, I'm like, she's kind of poorly drawn. <laughs> or poorly modeled, because they're models. But I mean, I, I can cut them some slack since it's, you know, human computer animation in... 1995. True. I'm not going to bash it too much, but at the same time, you would think, like, at least just use a larger model of Andy, like the height and the proportions, but then just, you know, add stuff to make it look like the mom. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know how 3D animation works, so I don't know if I that's something either. you that's could do or not. That's probably not what you do. <laughs> I feel like we're always bringing up animation, like cheats and errors. And we're not experts at all. We just we're like, this is what you should have done. And I have <laughs> zero degrees in art. So. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I don't I don't want the podcast to just be like always pointing out, oh, look, Buzz's arm is cutting into him. I know. Uh, we're like, and look at this flaw and look at that flaw. And also send us an email. <laughs> But there was one that I thought was kind of funny where when Andy throws Buzz on top of Woody, Buzz uh-huh. is definitely cutting through Woody. There's like, if you look at it really closely, you can, it it's pretty obvious. Oh gosh. I'm it's like his jetpack is in Woody's body. Oh my Woody gosh. might be cutting into the desk as well. <laughs> I never paid attention to that. I need to pay attention to that. I've become extra sensitive to that Paying kind attention of thing. to everything. <laughs> yeah. So when when Buzz like goes to look at the box that has Andy's name on it, it has like all the the pens and stuff, whatever it is in there. Mm-hmm. He goes, hmm, and says <laughs> he says something. I can't make out exactly what he's saying. It might be. It kind of sounded like he's saying, "Look at this stuff," but. I couldn't really hear I couldn't really hear it well enough to tell. Right. And yeah, then later no. when a little later when Woody is making his plan, like Buzz is like coming to himself. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was funny. I like that. I never was able to figure out what he was saying either, but you do hear him say something. And even with my headphones in, I raised the volume to see if I could hear what he said, but I, I can't. I wonder what he was what he was doing, like looking through all those pencils. Like what was what was he looking for in there? Right, exactly. I was thinking maybe he's still trying to fix his ship, but I don't know if there would be anything in there that was like useful. I don't know. (laughs) He just wanted to go write a letter to somebody. Maybe. He's probably just being he's given up on all other forms of communication to star command and he's like i'm just gonna send i'm just gonna send a letter across space and see if it gets to him because toy logic (laughs) (laughs) i would actually like to see him try to mail a letter (laughs) ham and potato head are playing 
some kind of card game with the Buzz Lightyear cards. Yeah, like, so I like they... that they're always playing games together. Yeah, I like the the Buzz Lightyear cards too. Those are fun. Those are really cute. I do like them. But what I was wondering is like Andy and Mom like just left the room. How did they get their games set up and going so fast? Unless it was just like they had started it before Andy came came into his room mm-hmm. and they just like picked up where they left off, but then like the cards would have been left out and Andy would have noticed. This is true. I don't know. Yeah, like how would they have made either that or they're not actually playing a game and they just have the cards to make it look like they're playing a game because they want to look cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And then also, if Andy runs back into the room, he's going to see them lying there. They're not going to have time to put the cards away and yeah. make it look like they're not. This is very concerning. Like, if I were to walk into my room and if I were to see my toys lying on the floor with a pile of cards that I did not put there, I would have just moved without those toys. I would have just left them there in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Then they would, they would follow you. This is true. The next house. You'd have to burn them. I I hate to say it. That would be something I would not want to do. I would just give them to Sid. I'm like, hey, you like blowing stuff up. (laughs) There you go. At 50 seconds, the magic eight ball rolls into the gap between Andy's desk and the wall, and that gives Woody an idea. He looks at Buzz and then at RC, who's sleeping at the top of a moving box. Woody puts his fingers together like he's plotting something. (laughs) He looks evil. (laughs) (laughs) Very villainous. Which I can't remember. I know we talked about the Toy Story cruise ship musical at some point but i think i edited it out okay but there's for those who don't know there was a toy story musical on a disney cruise ship and in this scene woody in that version of the story woody basically has a villain song called one toy (laughs) (laughs) i call it woody's villain song I mean, it's very fitting to call it that because he is acting rather villainous right now. He's acting very sinister. So makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually one of the one of the better songs, I would say, from that musical. I need to sit through that whole musical because I... I saw the beginning of it and I just thought, oh no, this is ridiculous. (laughs) And then I just went all the way, like almost to the end. And I watched a little bit of that. And then I was like, okay, no, I can't do this. (laughs) Maybe we can watch it together when we're at Disney World. Ooh, we should do that. And we can do like a a critique on it while we're watching it. We should do an episode about it. We should. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's write that down. <laughs> Please do, because I'm going to forget instantly. <laughs> I think we should do an episode about that. That would be fun. It would be a lot of fun. At 109, Woody suddenly starts flailing around and yelling, Buzz, Buzz, Buzz Lightyear, Buzz Lightyear, thanks goodness, we've got trouble. 
Buzz looks around and says, Trouble? Where? Woody points behind the desk and says, Down there, just down there. A helpless toy is, is trapped, Buzz. Buzz determinedly says, Then there's no time to lose, and goes over to where Woody pointed. Meanwhile, Woody sneaks over to the moving box and grabs RC's remote control. Woody moves RC's wheels and RC wakes up. Buzz yells, I don't see anything, and Woody tells him to keep looking while making RC accelerate toward Buzz. I like that Buzz just goes along with what Woody <laughs> says is happening without questioning it. It's like, oh, there's a toy down there. Okay. I think, I'll go over there and check. I know. And I think like he would have seen the magic eight ball, but maybe Buzz doesn't realize that that's an actual living toy. Is the magic eight ball alive? I don't know. I always assumed it would because it told Woody don't count on it. So <laughs> it probably knows what's going on. So when Woody asked the eight ball if Andy was going to pick him, it was being, you know, truthful, honest. They're like, don't count on it because Buzz Lightyear is the new toy. So if the magic eight ball is alive, then Woody, Woody's being way too violent with it. <laughs> I know he shook it and then he, he grabs it, it out of nowhere and just let it fall. I'm like, how dare you, Woody? I mean, that is a living creature that <laughs> Andy has and you're just throwing it as if it's nothing. Yeah, I don't think I ever had a magic eight ball like that, but I had similar things that like you would ask a question and it would give you your your fortune or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think I had one, maybe one or two different uh, magic eight balls and one of them broke. So the water oh. leaked out. And it was still, it had some water in it, but it was very <laughs> sad. So like it would shake all weird. And then the, the little triangle that's in there would just stick to the window. So it stayed, I think, on no. <laughs> it was very sad. I was like, this poor little eight ball. It's a very negative eight ball. Yes, it's every stuck on question no. you ask, it's just no. <laughs> Woody's like acting in this is so overdramatic. Woody is overdramatic. <laughs> He's like got his hand on his forehead. He's like, Buzz, Buzz Lightyear, we need your help. He, you know, he did overdo it. Like, he went above and beyond with his acting. And I want to say he did it just so it could be more believable for Buzz. But at the same time, I'm like, he probably would have believed you anyways. If you just would have went up to him normally and said, hey, there's a toy down there. He probably, I'm sure, like, the toys down on the floor, too, like, saw Woody up there acting overdramatic, and were like, what's going on up there? Like, he would have drawn less attention to himself. Exactly. If he, if was, he just acted like screaming, a normal person. He probably would have been, like, he would have gotten away with what he did, except because he decided to be loud, everybody decided to stare and see that he was being overdramatic. Yeah. Also, how... So, if Woody just wanted 
you know, Buzz to get stuck behind the desk so that he could go to Pizza Planet. How was he going to explain that? Or was he, he probably wasn't planning how he was going to explain what happened. Exactly. Because RC would just tell him. RC would just tell everybody what happened. (laughs) What I don't understand is when Andy goes into his room and he sees that Buzz and Woody aren't there, or when he sees Buzz isn't there because Woody is there, why doesn't he question that? I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of times where I set something down and then like completely forget I completely forget where I put it and I can't find it again. And I mean, I don't think much of it in the moment. So that was probably what was what Andy was thinking. Maybe. I'm the type of person that if I set it somewhere, I try to remember where it is so that when I come back, I know where something is. And if I see it out of place, I start to freak out (laughs) because I am the person that. When I was a kid, I was a little too obsessed with Toy Story, and I really wanted my toys to be alive. And now that I'm an adult and I've seen horror movies also, I'm like, I don't know if I want my toys to be alive. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's that unreasonable that he just didn't, that he just forgot where, uh, well, not that he forgot where he put them down, but just like. I wasn't paying attention. He sets him down and then he can't find him. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I guess that's okay. I don't know. Maybe I'm just that one paranoid person. <laughs> I mean, he's like much. seven. Yeah. He's like seven, so he's probably, he's not, he's, he's not, not thinking, thinking about, about it that about, much. Yeah, no. It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> At one thirty-two. Buzz looks up just in time to see R.C. coming toward him and jumps out of the way. R.C. hits the edge of the bulletin board instead, causing it to fall over and all of the tacks to come out. Woody starts to realize what he's just caused as the bulletin board knocks the globe out of the thing. I don't know what the thing that holds up a globe is called, but the globe gets knocked (laughs) out of it, whatever it's called. I guess it's Axis, right? That would be an Axis. Oh, that's probably that's probably it. Uh, it comes out of its Axis. Axis. <laughs> the globe rolls toward Buzz, and Woody watches open-mouthed as Buzz trips on some pencils and falls. Buzz rolls over onto the windowsill, and the globe hits Andy's red lamp, which swings around, almost hits Woody, and knocks Buzz out of the window just as he's standing up. What an There's ordeal a lot for happening Buzz. in those few seconds. I know. I'm like, what an ordeal for Buzz. Like, he just, you know, started living with these guys, and he thinks they're cool, and then there's that one jerk that nobody likes, and <laughs> <laughs> he's just trying to get him. Andy's desk, with all of those tacks falling down, Andy's desk should be, Andy's desk should be full of holes now. Exactly. I realized. And then you think about it. When I'm I'm jumping ahead. When Andy comes in to look for Buzz, none of that stuff is on his desk, just Woody's on his desk. Oh. So the 
the globe thing chasing after Buzz is definitely, and probably the tax falling out as well, is a reference to Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Which Indiana Jones movie is it where, where the rock, the boulder chases him? Because I'm not very familiar with Indiana you Jones. You know, I, I'm not too familiar with the movies. I've seen the movies, but I haven't watched them like multiple times to know. I want to say, I don't think it. I've only seen the first one. I don't think it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. It may be. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm sorry, people who are Indiana Jones fans. We just, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> if you do know, too, please let us know. I, me too, because I've only seen the first one and I'm not even sure I've seen the whole thing. And then I've seen like. Bits and pieces of the second and the third. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. Oh, gosh. I know. We're terrible. Terrible people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this whole this whole sequence just has speaking of animation cheats and stuff. This whole sequence has Buzz moving in ways that he should not be able to. I know. He's (laughs) running like an ass around at one point. (laughs) (laughs) There was one time I accidentally paused it. And the shot, like, the frame that I paused it on, Buzz was, like, his body was, like, twisted around, and he was looking back at the globe, and it looked very strange. Oh, gosh. You know, I I want to say Buzz is the most rigid and stiff character for being an articulated character. He's very mm-hmm. stiff. But they try to make him look fluid because he's a quote-unquote action figure. And action figures are supposed to be relatively, you know, movable. And, you know, you can pose him and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's more like, um, not like, a, I can't think of the name. But there's one where it's just kind of like semi-articulated and that's kind of like what buzz is because he's not too um flexible but they try to make him flexible which makes sense for the movie because he's supposed to be you know doing all these action moves and stuff and it just turns out that the model that they made for him is not equipped for all of that moving (laughs) And it's why no, well, part of why no Buzz Lightyear toy will ever be completely movie accurate because you can't move. For sure. I mean, in even ways that movie Buzz can't. Yeah, the movie model itself cannot move that way. That's why his body clips yeah. into things, his arm clips into himself. It just, it's, if you were to look at it, like you said, from different angles, you would see like this should not be able to be the way it is. Yeah, and it, I mean, it works just fine for the movie. Yeah, because they know how to angle it and they know how to keep it looking like it's okay. Yeah, they just didn't expect that in like 25 years, <laughs> two grown adult wom- women would be looking at <laughs> watching the movie two minutes at a time and analyzing it to death. And I really don't think they would have thought about that because that's fairly recent within the last, what, 10 years that that's been happening, five to 10 years 
where people analyze stuff. Oh, as far as like on the internet, for on the sure. Internet, yeah. yeah, like for sure, everybody's been analyzing stuff for decades. But <laughs> as far as doing like a two minute breakdown of each thing, I feel like that's a little more recent than, you know, just <laughs> having a documentary on something. Yeah, for sure. The the sound effect that the lamp makes when it swings around, I could swear. That that's from one of the Luxo shorts. I think it is. It does sound like it. But I don't know which one. (laughs) It's a very lamp sound. Yeah, it's a very Luxo sound. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I love that they used the Wilhelm scream for Buzz. Yes, that's what I was going to talk about next. (laughs) Yeah. Just out of curiosity, I looked up the, the Wilhelm scream. Which, for for anyone who doesn't know, the Wilhelm scream, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much a meme. It is. <laughs> in filmmaking. Uh, according to Wikipedia, the Wilhelm scream is a stock sound effect that has been used in a number of films and TV series beginning in 1951 with the film Distant Drums. The scream is usually used when someone is shot, falls from a great height, or is thrown from an explosion. Uh, The sound is named after Private Wilhelm, a character in The Charge at Feather River, a 1953 western in which the character gets shot in the thigh with an arrow. This was its first use following its inclusion in the Warner Brothers Stock Sound Library. Although the charge at Feather River is believed to have been the third film to use the effect. And it says the scream is believed to be voiced by actor Sheb Woolley. So it was used in a couple of movies and then Warner Brothers added it to their stock sound effect library. And uh, the charge of Feather River was the first one to use it. After it had been added to that stock sound library. Interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't know that it was that old, too. I thought it was fairly recent, at least from the 70s or something. Yeah, it's older than I thought. Not too long ago, I I saw... Um, it was on Reddit or something. It was a clip of like the original movie where it was used. Um, uh, the movie Distant Drums. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting. I think I think I've seen like compilations of it too on YouTube. I'm gonna have to see if I can find a compilation to put in the show notes so that people can watch it if they want to. Right, that would be interesting. Like to see all the compilation of that. That would be really nice. I know for sure the funniest time that it's been used for me personally is in the Lord of the Rings. Where they're doing the um, the battle at Helm's Deep, one of the I don't know if it's an elf or if it's just one of the the soldiers. He gets shot with an arrow and he falls, and they put that scream in there. <laughs> of like, out of all the movies, I didn't think the Lord of the Rings would use it. <laughs> That's funny. I don't remember. Yeah, that. and it makes me laugh every single time because I like it doesn't match the movie. This movie was probably my first introduction to the Willem scream. In fact, I didn't realize that it was in other things for the longest time until I 
I guess I probably recognized it in something else. And I was like, wait, that's Buzz's scream yeah. <laughs> when he falls out the window. That's what I thought, too. When I was little, when I heard it again, I was like, they used Buzz's scream. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does kind of sound like it could be Tim Allen. A little bit, yeah. Like, he could pull off the Wilhelm scream. It's a great, it's a great sound effect, it's, though. You know, it's pretty great. I actually used to have an app on my phone that was just a button, and it was the Wilhelm button. <laughs> you could just scream, oh, whatever. That's great. I realized this whole time, as all this stuff is happening to Buzz, Woody is just, like, standing there, <laughs> and everyone else is watching from the ground, and I'm like, they, they could have probably saved him. Like, but Woody could have run, run up and like stopped the stopped the globe or like moved him out of the way. Or Woody could have even like, when the lamp starts swinging around, he could have like grabbed it to stop it. Right. But he just stands there and watches. He just like, watches with his mouth it all. Wide and open. at the same time, I think he did not save him because he thought like, yes, this is actually what I want, but. To a lesser degree is what he wanted. Like, he didn't actually want him to fall out the window. But at the same time, he's kind of like, yes, get rid of him. Fall out the window. Probably so. Which just makes him even more of a jerk. I know. He's just letting all this. Also, it's happening so fast. So by the time it actually clicks... In his head, he's yeah. probably thinking like, oh, snap, this is actually happening. I mean, part of it might be shock, too. Yeah, for sure. Because that's not what he expected to happen. <laughs> <laughs> At 1 minute 51 seconds, Ham, Potato Head, and Slinky yell, Buzz! And Rex screams. Woody looks over the edge of the windowsill and yells, Buzz! As Buzz falls into the bushes below, the other toys gather around worriedly, and Woody slowly backs away. And that's where that clip ends. I feel like that may have made him look even more guilty that he kind of backed mm-hmm. away from the situation. Like, okay, I'm going to try to disappear now. But everybody's like, yeah, you were the one that caused this because we saw you acting over dramatic and we saw you wake up RC and try to, you know, zoom him on over to whack buzz. But then all this happened. So now you're trying to back away like, oh, nothing happened. And on top of that, they've seen him acting pretty terribly for, like, the last few days now since Buzz first got there. That, too. Like, they see that he's actually very much not liking Buzz because Buzz is now the new favorite toy. So they say, like, well, they don't say, but they're seeing, like, everybody notices how much he dislikes Buzz. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of quotes from, well, we want to talk about the Black Friday stuff here in a second. But before we do that, I have a couple of quotes from our sacred texts, Toy Story, the art and making of the animated feature. <laughs> On page 48... There's a quote from Joe Rampt 
It says, it's a moment like a lot of people have in childhood where you took a whack at your sister or wanted to get back at some kid and they actually got hurt. Instead of turning the audience off, it brings them right back to what he sighed. Which I'm like, does it really, though? It honestly does it bring doesn't. them back to I what mean, he sighed? Honestly. Because, I mean, yeah, you feel bad for him that it went worse than, than he intended, but... He's still a jerk I mean, for doing it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, I was like, it doesn't, I don't feel like that it makes him, I I don't feel like it makes the audience more sympathetic necessarily. I don't think so. I mean, as children, maybe, like, if they notice that, like, a little bit older kids, like, oh, yeah, I've done that to where, you know, like they said, they're trying to get back at a sibling or something, and they actually wind up getting hurt. So then. The sibling who's actually doing the the act is like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, don't tell mom, don't tell mom, like something like that. Yeah. So I can see the other like little kids like that, like, oh gosh, something bad's gonna happen now. So they're like, they feel sympathetic towards that, but especially adults, they're like, no, he's a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's another quote from page 52 that says the layout team also had to find artful ways to cheat the apparent scale of the environment. And no scene tested that skill more than Woody's attempt to get rid of Buzz atop Woody's desk or Andy's desk. Buzz had to break into a full run along that desktop, says Johnson, but the desk wasn't very large. Artful editing helped, but the main solution was to model a second, larger desktop just for the shots where you're on top of it. So it's two different size, sizes depending on where you see it from. That's interesting. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Also, like, if you think about it, yeah, like, how much would he have to run? Because <laughs> that desk is short. If you look at it from Andy's perspective, it's just a small little desk. But then when the whole scene happens, yeah, like a lot of stuff is happening and you're like, that's, it's plausible maybe to have that happen because they're toys. But when you're looking at it from that angle, it's so much larger. Yeah, they're definitely with the normal size desk, there wouldn't be enough space at all for him to run that far. Exactly. Like that. Hmm. Now I'm like going to notice that every single time. <laughs> Yeah. Um, should we talk about the the famous Black Friday version of the Toy Story script? Ooh, yes. I figured this scene would be a good place to talk about this it. This would be a good place. Cause that's where, you know, you always see like the like the the storyboard version of the version of the movie where Woody was much meaner yeah. to buzz to put it lightly he was in the like, spot in the scene he was jerk 2.0 yeah so a little bit of background for those who don't know what's called the black friday version of the movie was basically the original uh storyboard pitch that they that pixar brought to disney and I can't remember where I read this. It wasn't in it wasn't in any of the the research that I that I gathered for this movie, but I, I know I heard it somewhere that um Disney and 
I could be wrong, but I want to say specifically Jeffrey Katzenberg were pushing them into doing like a a darker, more edgy version of the movie. And they just kept giving notes like make it more edgy, more edgy, more edgy. And then to to a point where it wasn't something that they like it wasn't really their movie anymore. And all of the characters were like unhappy and just mean to each other, especially Woody. There is a a short little featurette on the Black Friday storyboards or version of the movie that I will I will link to it in the show notes because it's interesting to watch. Um and it shows like the much darker version of this movie or of this scene, I mean, where Woody literally throws Buzz out the window. <laughs> but so did they brought they did the whole pitch, brought it and showed it to Disney and they were just super embarrassed and Disney uh hated it and basically all of them like the production almost got shut shut down. All of them like were close to losing their jobs basically, but they asked for like two weeks to turn it around and they somehow managed to do it. And, you know, it wasn't perfect after those two weeks, but they, they got it back on track. But the, the black Friday version of, of this scene is so much darker. And I'm pretty sure that's where the, um, the previous deleted scene that we talked about where, that's like the edgier version of of Woody and Buzz meeting, where Bo is like flirt, flirting, flirting with, with Buzz. Him? I know. I feel like yeah. I'm pretty sure that's where this is where that came from too. I feel like they were trying to make it more of like a like an older kid movie when they were pushing like make it edgier, make it edgier. And you know what? I am glad that they didn't. Like, Disney didn't like that, so they told them to fix it. And I'm mm-hmm. glad that... I- Which is funny, because it was like, it was Disney that gave them all those notes I know, and I'm it, like, what the heck? up the way it was. So I'm glad that but, Pixar actually turned it around and made it more lighthearted. But, yeah, like, why would you do that? Like, why would you tell them to do something edgier and edgier, and then they're like, oh, that's too edgy. You were the one that was pushing it. <laughs> Yeah, um, Toy Story, the art making of the animated feature, has some interesting things to say about it. On page 46, it says, Unfortunately, those gathered for the screening were hard-pressed to find any strengths at all. It's almost embarrassing now to look at how far off we were in that original take, says Andrew Stanton. Among the most glaring problems noted at the meeting... A take on Andy that wasn't very engaging. According to Stanton, he was too deliberate in pushing Woody aside instead of just overlooking his old favorite toy and his enthusiasm for Buzz. A confusing characterization for Buzz. We made the mistake of not going 100% with his spaceman delusion, says Stanton. He sort of knew he had an owner, and after he got lost, he wanted to get back to Andy just as much as Woody. That gave us two main characters with the same agenda. 
But those missteps weren't nearly as serious or as off-putting as one enormous central miscalculation. We'd finally put Woody's scenes all together, says Ramft, and he was a complete jerk. He, he had to wind up being selfless by the story's end, says Stanton. So our strategy had been, let's make him selfish in the beginning. As a result, Woody came off as a smug, sarcastic bully, lording his most favored plaything status over all the other toys. Then, says Stanton, we made the ultimate character mistake. At what should have been a moment of maximum empathy for Woody, the audience instead got a display of utter venality. He deliberately pushes Buzz out the window into Sid's yard, saying only, hey, it's a toy toy world. That was pretty dark of, like, that storyboard, because it makes him look like he's one of these people that doesn't care as long as he gets what he wants. Mm -hmm. Which I'm glad they scratched that, because honestly, I think everybody would have hated Woody even, like, more to the point where they would not have liked the movie at all. Yeah. And in that version of the movie, I guess the all the other toys were taking bets on who Andy was going to take to Pizza Planet. And Buzz comes up to Woody and tries to shake his hand and is and like tries to wish him luck. And Woody literally, <laughs> when Buzz shakes his hand, he just like pulls him up and literally throws him out the window. And then it cuts to all the other toys down on the floor below looking at him in, like, horror. And he's like, what? It's a toy toy world. And uh, eventually all the other toys, like, stand up to him and throw him out of the window. I like how it's so that's Slinky fun. is the one that says, no, don't throw him off the bed. Throw him out the window. He gets all, like, violent, too. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that Slinky is, like, one of the first ones to stand up to Woody, too. Yeah. I mean... Honestly, because he's so loyal to him, you would think like he wouldn't, but there's only so much a single person can take or a dog in this case. And, mm -hmm. you know, honestly, watching that reel, it's like, honestly, I would have done the same thing, too. I would have punched him or something. I would have been like, you're such a jerk. Watching that is one of the few times... I re I've ever felt sympathetic for Mr. Potato Head because <laughs> Mr. Potato Head is there and he's like, uh, I, f I forget what he says, but he starts to stand up to Woody and and uh, and I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> usually Mr. Potato Head is the one who's like cutting Woody down all the time. But this time I was like, no, he's right. <laughs> yeah, for real. And then what does Woody call? <laughs> He calls um he calls Slinky something wiener. A springed wiener or something. Like yeah. A springy wiener. <laughs> <laughs> that's like my one favorite thing about that. I'm like, okay, that's funny. <laughs> He's so mean to Slinky. He's like, you know that if it weren't for me, Andy would wouldn't play with you at all or I know, something he's like, like that. he would have thrown you out like the last garage sale or something like that i'm like oh he so i remember what he said he says you would have been hauled off to goodwill a long time ago yeah this is so mean i mean it's kind of a good line but it, it is really mean <laughs> i also like this is not really related to the black friday reel i mean it is but I really like that in the storyboards, they gave Bo a really Southern accent. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's like, Woody, you deliberately. <laughs> she's like, you uh, deliberately threw him out the window. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, I, they I'm glad they that. didn't go that way. That was so great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they didn't do it that way. I know. I don't know if that was still going to be Annie Potts, because I don't think it is in the recording. I don't think so. It doesn't sound like her. No. But I wonder if they, like, would have, if they were originally going to keep, like, that, like, strong southern accent, even with Annie Potts, and they, and then they decided, when they casted her, they decided to, decided to go a different way, or what? Right. I think, like, even though Annie Potts is really talented, I feel like that's not her character, even as a person, so it probably wouldn't work right. very well. Yeah. She's almost got more of like I don't know if a like a mid Atlantic accent is the word I'm looking for. Right. She has more of a I don't know. But yeah, like on the eastern coast side, not so much New Yorker, but not so mm-hmm. much like anywhere else. <laughs> Yeah, especially in Toy Story 4, the line that I always think of, because I love the way she pronounces it, is she says something about Gabby's cabinet. And she like, oh yeah, she (laughs) pronounces all three syllables. (laughs) Cabinet. Yeah, I know. In the South, we just say cabinet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's all I have uh, to talk about with this episode. Yeah. How about you? I mean, we could go on about Annie Potts' accent, but I think we should just cut it off now. <laughs> we could try to figure out or remember what what kind of accent Annie Potts has. Well, we'll do that. <laughs> Maybe in Toy Story 4 we'll do yeah, that. Yeah, we'll pick her accent during that time. <laughs> there you go. Four years from now. <laughs> All right. If if that's all, then I guess we can wrap things up. Sounds good to me. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to follow our Facebook and Twitter accounts and send us an email if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns. And if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. See you next time. Bye. Goodbye.